0: hi everyone happy new year and welcome to episode six of epilogues and epiphanies a show where we'll explore questions about life the universe and being human through the lens of tv and film i'm your host Lindsay mcpherson today's different uh so in the words of stanley tucci's character my favorite from the devil wears prada gird your loins Just telling you to brace yourselves because today is going to be a little different. Um, This episode is going to be different from my other episodes. There are no guests. There is no specific movie topic. I know, you're stuck with me just for a little bit. But uh, this is just a special episode that kind of like jumped out from my brain I don't know I was gonna say my guts but like that's kind of gross sounding so um yeah so today's really about the why of this show uh the juice the goods if you will uh I think it's also timely because it's resolution season and I want to challenge you to do something that is going to sound like an anti-resolution this year yep I want you to watch more movies And I'm even going to argue today that this will, in fact, be a good thing for you. Like, it will improve you as a person. I know, right? See, now you want to know. You're, like, curious. You're like, what is she going to say? Here we go. So, obviously, question number one, based on that introduction, and possibly based even on the existence of this podcast, is why do movies and entertainment matter? Is it purely because life is hard and we all need an escape sometimes? I guess that's like one element of why, but to me, that is a tiny pixel of the full image of why entertainment matters and how movies can be good for you. To get to the bottom of this, of my premise, we will have to travel back in time just a little bit first. Uh, We're going back to, specifically, (laughs) February 29th, 2004. I know, weird. It's Oscars night, and 12-year-old Lindsay Hammond is staying up much, much too late for a school night. I'm wide awake because I need, need to see if Pirates of the Caribbean, which was, at the time, like, my favorite movie to see if Pirates of the Caribbean can clinch even one victory over that year's Oscar juggernaut, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Alas, Captain Jack and the crew of the Black Pearl turned out to be no match for a few hobbitses and a whole mess of orcs and elves. But it's a little bit more about my experience of the Oscars at this point in my life that I want to help set up our premise today. At that point in my hilariously young life, which I say hilariously because I felt so grown up at 12, and looking back, I'm like, what in the world? Anyways, um, at 12, I found these self-congratulatory award ceremonies um, largely boring and quite possibly rigged because none of my favorites ever won, Uh, but I knew that I loved movies In stories. And this room full of people was supposedly the best of the best of the world's creators and storytellers. So I was bored, but something about these awards still felt important. So I couldn't stop watching. Also, obviously, red carpet, the clothes, but anyways. Uh, So I watched these awards, and I watched as the winner's took their places on the altars of our attention. Each of them wrapped their fingers around Oscar's tiny golden calves, clutching the shiny faceless forms to their Versace-clad chests, like some medal of valor granting them exclusive access to the moral high ground. Upon ascending, they would proceed to politically pontificate before thanking their loved ones and being ushered away. But even in between the politics, there was a gravity I didn't understand at the time. They took this so seriously, like way too seriously, I thought. I remember not understanding how emotional everyone was getting and how they were acting like they were changing the world in ways that, in my young mind, were reserved for people like missionaries, uh, emergency responders, and cancer researchers, These people were just playing dress up and pretending for a living. Uh, So I really didn't understand. My confusion was compounded by messaging from my community, which classified all of Hollywood as those liberals in California. I grew up in Farmtown, USA, in the Midwest, in a conservative Christian family positioned within a conservative community. And so, of course, most of the people winning these awards that I was watching on TV did not share beliefs or political ideologies with my parents or my friend's parents or mainly anyone in my hometown. And so not only were these emotional Oscar winners a bit silly to me, they were maybe even a little bit bad um, and were exalting themselves in this profession in a way that was perhaps could have been perceived as evil. However, my primary thought on all of this was mainly that I needed to understand what they were getting so worked up about, or what they thought they were achieving, but I used those big moral reasons handed to me as reason enough to be dismissive rather than curious. Um, but I still loved, loved, obviously stories and movies, um, movies living up to their name always moved me in ways I wanted to understand. And I loved everything about them, to be honest. Uh, even just the decision people made to make certain movies like, uh, what, excuse me, someone made a movie about a priest moonlighting as a luchador. I definitely have to see that one. I was also captivated by how entertainment could permeate our vocabulary and our jokes. From a young age, I did things like watched Forrest Gump because the adults around me kept saying things like life was because the adults around me kept saying things like life is like a box of chocolates and I had no idea what they were talking about, but I thought it was so interesting that that many people would quote something that I needed to know what it was about. I guess movies gave me a little bit of FOMO initially. Um, or <laughs> I did things like uh, watch four hours of Gone with the Wind to understand a quote referenced in an episode of my favorite TV show, Gilmore Girls. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I absolutely did that. Uh, in one episode, Lorelai says in her best high-pitched Southern accent, I'll think about that tomorrow at Tara and folks this is pre-google or at least pre my access to google um but these little books came with the gilmore girls dvd box sets that explained the Gilmoreisms, which were what they had termed the pop culture references uh so all of this information led me to gone with the wind so i watched it it was fine um But it was worth it because I understood what people meant when they would say things like, frankly, my dear, um, and I was fascinated. Uh, But I still didn't understand the importance of entertainment, aside from pure escapism, really, at this point. Uh, This single facet of entertainment's larger contribution to society is not the whole story, though. And it's often why we don't dig deeper or think critically about the content we consume. We have all, to some extent, at least if you live in the U.S., uh, been raised on this concept, perhaps not explicitly, um, but this concept of Protestant work ethic. Implications of this belief system often become internalized as, quote, good and virtuous people are doers. The opposite of work and productivity is not rest, but rather laziness and passivity, which have been assigned to the moral failure category good people are busy. TV is passive and lazy. It's the boob tube. It'll rot your brain. And so on. That's why when people ask me if I have a hobby, I feel like I have to justify myself when I say, quote, watching movies, because that doesn't count as doing anything. Watching TV is descending into non-existence. Vegetable land. So, for a very long time, I didn't understand the importance of entertainment in society as a whole, other than, of course, the idea that laughter is good and people need mental relief from the day-to-day grind. And then on the flip side, there were really, really serious films about things like racism and other global issues. Those were obviously important. Those were the ones I felt like were where the lesson was fairly explicit and almost educational. Uh, I still don't really understand things like, I still at this point didn't really understand things like the discussions around Heath Ledger's passing. I was in high school at the time and uh, there were a lot of conversations about method acting and how hard that was and how he had to be careful and I just didn't understand how pretending could cause someone enough pain And confusion and torment that would lead to something catastrophic. Uh, It was unfortunate. And I remember being very moved by his passing, but I still didn't get really what led to it. I think people like now, I think people like Heath sometimes can go so deep in empathy into another person's world and problems that it's hard to swim back up to the surface. It was probably almost a decade later, halfway through my master's degree, when I would personally, finally learn, not just with my, my head, um, the weight of empathy. I didn't understand it up to that point in my life. Not many big life things had happened to me and the things that did had led to the development of a pretty thick skin. I was pretty good at keeping those emotions buried so deep down. Like, I mean, you know, if they're, you're trying to keep them out of your mouth and out of your head, I was stuffing them all the way down in my toes. Uh, they were so beyond my realm of consciousness, so low, so hidden. They only popped out when about 10 things at once would finally boil over. And even then, I was always surprised by what spilled out every time. Like, I had no idea what was going on with myself at all. It's bad. Don't do it. Not recommend. Um, And so this idea of acting being something or performing or art more broadly, uh, this idea that it could impact the person creating it or, or acting the part, Uh, was pretty foreign to me not only that but the actor's emotional experience and the severity of it would largely determine the intensity of the impact of their storytelling Um, and that storytelling's impact on the viewer one of the ideas that feeds this concept as I thought about it um, was one that I learned in grad school um, and through practical experience to be true um you can only they would always tell us you can only take your clients, my counseling clients as deeply as you have gone in your own personal self-exploration. When I heard this the first time, I thought, well, crap. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some work then. Because gosh darn it, if I need to be more thorough <laughs> Because gosh darn it, I am nothing if not thorough. And if I say I'm going to do something, trust, believe it will be done. And I will probably make it my mission to be the best one doing it. So I go hard (laughs) on all those self exploration papers and start really peeling back a lot of my own layers. And then it starts to feel like, okay. I have used this to describe what my grad school experience felt like when I was learning my own feelings. Um, It's kind of gross, but this is what it felt like. So, sorry in advance. Um, Start peeling back a lot of my own layers and starts to feel like... um, you know, this process of learning to get in touch with my own feelings and understanding the feelings of others kind of feels like someone sandpapered your whole body. Sounds awful, super gross. I know. I warned you. I'm sorry. But uh, you feel everything everywhere all of the time. So much. Everything is just so fresh and raw and you feel the joy of the first time of feeling a lot of feelings um, to really let myself experience joy and conversely to really unavoidably experience sorrow and loss. And so I started to get that this weight of empathy, the gravity of empathy, of entering into another person's experience, um, just how heavy it could be and also how important it was. I think before I really only had head knowledge of, of this concept of empathy. The difference when I learned the skill of empathy for myself though, and learned to feel my own feelings and then be able to understand and commiserate or truly celebrate with other people's like joys and problems, you know, whatever end of the spectrum, uh, was, was daunting. It was also exciting, but like Roller coaster, but instead of the roller coaster, just like you know, skating down to the bottom of the hill and going back up, it would kind of crash and hit the ground before it could start back up again. Because there are a lot of big, dark feelings out there, and when you're a counseling intern, you spend all day hearing about the worst parts of people's days and lives. It is such an important field, it's not one that I had the capacity to do long term. But I'm so grateful for the experience of having walked with people, the people specifically that I got to walk with um, and got to help support and see them grow. Um, I had to choose empathy to sit with these beautiful humans in their pain and heal alongside them. But man, their pain was um, sticky and one day it dawned on me um you know having all this residual pain stuck on me um as I was watching okay well if you know me you're not going to be surprised by this but uh, if you don't this is probably a really funny uh thing to have been watching while I had an epiphany um but here it is (laughs) So one day, uh, during grad school, I was watching Dancing with the Stars. And I was at the point where I was finally consciously putting together a lot of the things I had been learning as they pertain to not just counseling, but like empathy in general and the value of art and performance and catharsis in those kinds of ways and also the weight of it. Um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure this was the season that this happened on. Um, it was Alexa Panavega for those of you fellow millennials. Um, this is the girl from Spy Kids. Uh, she was on Dancing with the Stars and, she was performing a contemporary dance to portray her struggle in the past with an eating disorder and kind of what that struggle was like. Um, So there was an element of self-healing in this, but she also put words and movement and visualization to what that struggle was like for others. Or not just an eating disorder, but like anyone who has really wrestled or struggled with some kind of darkness that they felt like they couldn't get out of, Um, you know, wrestling with demons. Um, We've all got demons and the dance was very much kind of portraying that sort of struggle. Um, I don't mean demons in the literal sense. I mean it in the colloquial sense of, you know, the kind of specific darkness or particular pain points that we each have in our lives. Um, so she finishes her performance and I was deep in thought and I must have been like really unresponsive for quite some time because Matt started to get frustrated with me, you know, in the way of like, hello, where are you? Are you with me? Um, and finally I said, well, I'm thinking about, and then I kind of relayed all that I was unpacking there. Uh, My perception of the performance. And and then I also said, I'm realizing, too, the work and the weight and the value that artists and actors give to us, Um, artists, actors, storytellers, songwriters, through their bravery and willingness to go to the depths of themselves, to connect with the depths of their own darkness or the darkness of the characters they're portraying. Um, Some of these characters are are real people. Some of them are amalgams of all of us that speak a truth that hadn't yet been said so that we might feel seen or so that we might see someone else that we wouldn't naturally encounter in our day-to-day life because of actors and storytellers. A broader representation of stories can be seen and understood by us, from wherever in the country or the world we sit. Um. And and so then we can have that opportunity to experience that person's pain, or joy, or just humanity, and and from there walk out into the world more empathetic, compassionate, loving kind people towards ourselves and towards other people and then I think the world is a better place for that and that is when I stopped when I had this realization that is when I stopped thinking that Meryl Streep's Oscar speeches were dramatic (laughs) it's probably also when I became insufferably pretentious about things like movies and good storytelling Um, and that is of course, when the long, long fuse was lit that led to this very podcast's existence, a podcast where we can talk about what it means to be human and why we tell these stories and why they matter and how they affect us and what they say about us that we choose to tell certain stories and choose not to tell others, um, truths about the universe that we know to be true, that we see in ourselves, that we see in other people, We see in patterns of history repeating themselves or in a galaxy far away, you know, and or it's really not so different from the U.S. in 2023. It's truly not. Um, And that's the kind of thing that humanity, those threads, those themes are what connect us all. And so perhaps a more important, though, first challenge for you before you set out to watch all the movies is this, learn your story, please, please learn your story. You definitely have one, whether you think so or not. And it's worth knowing. It's worth telling. It's it's worth also knowing who the real villains are. Sometimes in certain chapters, um, we are our own villains, and that's good to know. But out of the story as a whole, there aren't really a ton of true personified villains. Most of us are really facing the same problems, and that is self-doubt, shame, all those kinds of things. So I really hope that maybe this made you think about why you should think about what you watch, or what you read, or maybe you feel like... You want to add some comedy or some drama because the truth is life is both and we need both. Um, life is light and darkness and we learn and grow from both of it. And, um, yeah, I, I wrestled a lot weirdly with, um, sharing this episode probably because I don't know. It was just me and that was a little daunting um, but I felt like it was part of my story that I wanted to tell. Um, actually it felt like part of my story that was uh demanding to be told. Um, which is an interesting place to be. Um, yeah, but in the same way um maybe even if I'm just telling it for my own sake, maybe that's it. And maybe that's it for you. Maybe you just need to find a way to tell your story to yourself so that you understand it and can have some self-compassion. But in the same way that, you know, on this theme of art being so important, as society, we're finally starting to teach kids some emotional intelligence and social skills as a a self-awareness like healthy, just life skill, um, which is so necessary and so good. I'm, I'm so glad we're starting to do that. Um, but in the same way, I think we need to start teaching art in that way. Art matters. Uh, art is, yeah, it can be silly and fun and it can be these like really high level surfacy things. Um, but I think that art at its core, uh, when it's true is this idea of expressing something that you feel like you can't fully encapsulate by spoken word maybe um or not in a in a traditional sense of spoken words um or maybe words at all um maybe you have to have someone walk that story out with you in the form of a play or um in the form of i don't know whatever it is, but art is also so important and people who, and the people who are willing to wade into those waters to communicate those kinds of intangible, uh, unnameable things. The people that challenge us to those people, I say, please bring it on. Please more. Um, please give me more. Please, please go all the way please pardon my French, but do not half-ass it. If you feel like there's something you have to say, go for it. Go all in. If you are an artist or not, if you are just a human, which I don't think I have any dog listeners last I checked. There better not be any cats, but that's a different story. Um, But if you're a human, if you're a person, please, please learn your story and then do the work to tell it and tell it well even if it's just for yourself, in whatever form it wants to take. Ideally, I would like to hear it or have you share that you shared it with someone in your life. Um, Yeah. I I feel like it's important because that's how we get better and that's how we grow together. It's how we find each other is this sharing of stories, this... Um, yeah. Storytelling. It's how we find each other. Anyways, lots of rambling. I think I'm done now. Okay. Yep. I don't think there's anything left. Well, I don't know. Hope you liked this. Hope it wasn't too terribly boring. Um, or whatever. Um, I hope it... Hope it made, maybe if nothing else, those of you that know me, maybe I make more sense to you now. I don't know. Um, maybe this is my ethos of the podcast episode. I don't even know if that's the right word, actually. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I need to look up the word ethos and see if I've been using it correctly. Anyways, until next time, keep learning and giving yourself grace to grow and we'll see See you next time!